On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I bring you part two of our e-commerce executive roundtable discussion. What an amazing discussion this one was. Chris Brewer from OMG Commerce actually hosted this one, and it was absolutely phenomenal. I could not believe uh, the amount of incredible value that this panel brought about ambassadors and influencers and a lot of stuff that I am not implementing myself and just a really, really tactical, strategic conversation. And I think you guys are going to get a ton out of this. At Mindful Marketing, we know that you want your brand to be successful. In order to do that, though, you need to predictably acquire new customers. The problem is Facebook and Google are only getting more expensive, which makes you feel unsure of whether your brand will survive. We believe that building a community of loyal and repeat customers is the answer. We understand how hard it is to predictably grow a brand, which is why we have created a system using our own mid-seven-figure e-commerce brand as a test case. And here's how we do it. Number one, we execute a profitable ads strategy. Number two, we build a brand-owned loyal base of repeat customers. And number three, we grow exponentially predictably and consistently so download our free sales launch checklist at mindfulmarketing.co slash slc so you can stop having sales that bomb and instead grow your revenue predictably and exponentially before we begin i just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor gorgeous look If you're looking to scale and improve your customer service without scaling your headcount, I highly recommend Gorgeous. Gorgeous is the number one help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce stores. It combines all of your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your support team tons of hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. With Gorgeous, you can easily use machine learning to automate responses to your most frequently asked questions. And if you're on Shopify, you can edit, return, refund, or create an order right through Gorgeous. This frees up time so your support team can focus on complex questions. Brands like Olipop, Deathwish Coffee and Steve Madden have reduced their response times and increased efficiencies. And I just want to say that we use them at every single one of our brands and it saves us tens, if not hundreds of hours a month. So book a demo at gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S today. And mention the Secrets to Scaling podcast for two free months. Now on to today's episode. The next panel is going to be hosted by Chris Brewer. Chris, do you want to tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Thanks so much, Jordan. Chris Brewer, and I'm co-founder of an agency called OMG Commerce. We're based in Springfield, Missouri, and we've got a small Amazon office in New Jersey. Uh, We specialize and have a world-class team on Google ads, including YouTube, helping some folks actually on the previous panel scale up their YouTube ads, and also Amazon, uh, nearly full service on Amazon. Uh, My business partner, Brett Curry, is probably a little bit better known than me because he hosts our podcast, E-Commerce Evolution, which is a favorite amongst, I know, a lot of folks out there. And that's probably enough about me. Awesome, Chris. That's great. Also, for those of you uh, who don't know, I just wanted to give a quick overview of what uh, we do at Mindful Marketing. So we work hand in hand uh, with the guys over at OMG Commerce. They're incredible on the Google side. And at Mindful Marketing, we profess to uh, and hopefully are um, Facebook ad experts. So we use 
ads um, to help you try to get off using ads. <laughs> the issue that we've found and that we've seen, I own multiple brands, cost per acquisition is only getting higher and higher. And I, and I feel like brands in general don't know how to get off of the reliance on ads. Still, for me, I spend multiple seven figures on ads every single year. I'm not saying anything against ads, but we really like to try to help people build communities because communities are where you're going to get those repeat purchases, right? That's where you're really going to get that customer lifetime value up and really learn you know, how to be profitable, become profitable. So that's what we do uh, over at Mindful Marketing. So you can find us at mindfulmarketing.co. I've got one more, one more here. Today's roundtable is brought to you by Practical E-Commerce. Uh, we're really good buddies with the guys over at Practical E-Commerce. They publish authoritative articles webinars, podcasts. They were launched in 2005. So, I mean, I don't even know if e-com was around in 2005. <laughs> they first started actually as a physical magazine. They're unaffiliated with any e-commerce platform or uh, providers. So you know that when you go to practical e-commerce, you're getting really good advice that isn't necessarily solicited. They've got lots of authors uh, and it's just a really, really good place. And uh, I've been published on there. Uh, Ezra is also published on there. Just really good guys over at practical e-commerce. All right, Chris, you go ahead and take it away. We've got Chris, Nick, and Tara. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for that, Jordan. And welcome to the panel, Nick, Chris, and Tara. And we're going to be talking about uh, ambassadors. So why don't you guys first just let's give us a quick introduction Let's just kind of go with uh, Nick and then actually let's do ladies first. Let's do Tara and then Nick and then Chris and just give us a little high level overview on your brand and maybe a little bit about how you're using uh, ambassadors in your brand currently. Sure. Thanks, Chris. So I'm Tara. I'm co-owner of Jackson Row. It's a women's apparel company that's been around 10 years. It started out in wholesale. And then about three years ago, we launched e-commerce and that kind of just steamrolled for us and snowballed. And so from there, we kind of went into kids as well as men's product that we've just launched. So we use ambassador programs for our women's brand. And then as well, um, we use an ambassador program for our kids, but we use them in different ways because kids is literally just starting out for us. And then women's is probably 95% of our business. So fantastic. Nick, how about you? Hey, yeah, my name is Nick. Excited to be here and talking to everybody um, and sharing you know, this conversation with some great panelists. I'm the CMO over at the Legends brand. We're an athletic apparel brand based in Los Angeles. Right now, we just make men's products. Uh, later this year, we'll introduce the beginning of our women's line, which we're super excited about. One thing that's a little different about our brand is that we're an athlete-owned brand, meaning a lot of our investors and by virtue uh, owners are current and retired athletes. So we have some baked-in influencer pull with our investors who are you know, kind of committed to helping grow the brand. And we're also using ambassadors for the last six months or so. We've been using them to build a community, like-minded folks that I'm happy to, you know, excited to talk more about, but really trying to build a, a tight-knit community of athletes and creators who believe in what we're doing and find interesting ways to add value to them as well as to their audience. And we're still learning and evolving with time, but it's been really exciting. Fantastic, Nick. Thanks so much. And Chris Mead of CrossNet with the best beach and backyard game ever. I love it. Thanks. Hey, so I'm Chris. I'm the co-founder of CrossNet, essentially a four-way volleyball net. It's four square and volleyball put together. So just kind of reminiscing on your childhood. Got a brand new sport that just came out. It's really awesome. Uh, we use ambassadors 
kind of like what Legends is uh, just starting to do in the volleyball space, but to kind of legitimize the sport. So we've got some of the world's best volleyball players repping cross net, creating content on a monthly basis. Stoked to get into it. And then the mom and dad demo, just family, backyard barbecues, all that good stuff. So two kind of avenues. Stoked to get into it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And our fourth and surprise bonus panelist, Sean Holiday. So I, I came out of nowhere. Bit? Yeah, I came. I'm, I was. I was way late. That's totally my fault. Yeah, co-founder of the Space Station. We've got uh, a couple of different brands and companies. We have an influencer marketing agency. So we sit more on like helping brands work with ambassadors or influencers. We have a competitive gaming company. So Space Station Gaming. So we compete in esports. Uh, we have an investment uh, arm, Space Station Investments. We've done 40 deals in the last 40 weeks into companies like Magic Spoon, Aura Ring, Olipop, a bunch of consumer kind of focused brands where we can help with influencer. Then we just started a CPG brand where we help brands get on shelf through uh, the relationships we have from some buyers kind of across a bunch of different places. So that's the space station. You've got a lot going on and so do our other panelists. And, And obviously that's what successful people typically we find that we've got our hands in a lot of different things. I know uh, my business partner and I are also invest in a few brands ourselves and a couple of uh, private investment funds. And, and one of the topics that I hear a lot, and, and each week I'm probably speaking to three to five e-commerce entrepreneurs. And so this topic on brand ambassadors comes up quite a bit. So what I'd like to know, and, and, and I we've seen this in the questions from our guests today, Let's just kind of go around it and let's just kind of use our same order on this. Tara, Nick, Chris, and then Sean, just real quickly, like first thing that comes to mind when, if someone's out there that's endeavoring to start a brand ambassador program, where do you start and where are the kind of best ways to get those leads from brand ambassadors? All right. Well, great question. So with women, so we'd had, well, we've been telling women's for a while, um, had a good essentially sense of, you know, what they were looking for. And our ambassador program is more, we were listening to the feedback of our customers where they needed to see the women's clothing on different body types and all that kind of stuff. So we started reaching out to essentially brand ambassadors who were more micro influencers, just so we could show different types, get them talking about the product. And then from there, where we started was advertising for leads and bringing people in essentially on our brand ambassador program. Great. And and I think it's important too, because I think I already mentioned in a couple of the intros that There's definitely, and I know we've got a lot of advanced people on this call today, but there is definitely a difference between influencers and ambassadors. And it can definitely, I think, cross the line sometimes to a degree. And we'll talk a little bit more about kind of the distinctions between the two. But uh, Nick, how about you? Yeah. So for finding, I guess when we got started to try to find like what you're your starting point for ambassadors and how do you build that audience? There's a couple of places that are the low hanging fruit. So number one, your existing customers, right? Go through and look for people who are buying two, three, four times, or depending on your product, whatever, whatever high frequency means for you or in high order value. So even if they're not buying, they're not the most frequent buyers. When they do buy, they spend a lot of money. So they're really passionate about your products. Start there and try to do some research on if you can find if these people have an audience, right? And it could be a digital audience, i.e. they have a big social following on Instagram or something, but it could also be they happen to own, in my case, a fitness facility, a gym of some sort, and they're really influential in their community. It's a little more offline. 
but you know they're passionate about your products. They are probably knowledgeable about your products and they have an audience. So that's thing number one. And then thing number two is I would just really advise to think about your strategy of who you're trying to talk to. Like we stepped back and created these pillars of activities that we want to kind of have success in. So sports, fitness, action sports, and then art. And for us, art is like street art and music. And so we had these pillars and now we started to say, okay, who is influential and credible in those spaces in a way that matters to legends, right? Like not every athlete necessarily has a vibe that matches legends vibe. So kind of pick your spots and then start to identify key muses in those spots and then kind of draft off to that and bring it down to kind of the everyday person who still plays in that space and somehow resembles that, that key muse. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And, and that is the easiest place to start, I think, is, is with your own customer base. And hopefully everyone's got the technology to be able to quickly filter through who their best purchases are. Some people call those, I was actually had a call with someone yesterday that they uh, call their program a VIP, but they were one step short of an ambassador type of program. And, and so just a few questions later, all of a sudden, you know, sometimes those things are right under your nose and it just yeah. takes another step to, to turn something that might be something existing like a VIP program into a true ambassador type of program. So Chris, what about you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, ideally you want your influencers that you're paying money to be your best ambassadors. But at the end of the day, those micro influencers are sometimes the best, especially when you're just starting off. You need somebody who really cares about the brand who's going to go out and wear your clothes or rep your brand, set up the game. So those are the best. So we've kind of built up a little micro army. And then rather than looking at it from pillars from a, like, is it a sport or is it a music? We're looking at it, is it from like an age demo? So who are my mom ambassadors? Who are my dad ambassadors, the grandpas, the kids? And then building up a list from there. So that's what we've started with all from our customers, uh, starting from our customers and then outreaching to larger and larger influencers along the way. Cool. And then Sean, I'm interested in what your perspective is on this. Well, I, I like the challenge on being the last one. It's like it whittles down just all the top of funnel. And now I'm, I have to be a true ambassador from like, you can't just go top. You got to find the real, you know, the real meat there. I mean, obviously to each of their points, it really is looking internally first and figuring out who cares about the brand. Cause you know, like Chris was saying, if you can get somebody to go out and set that up and, and be this ambassador, you know, then you can go and ask for UGC content and say, Hey, can we actually use your stuff and share it in our stories or on our LinkedIn or wherever? And they're like, my stuff, like I just randomly playing with my kids. It's like, yeah, that would be really great for us. Like, whoa. And so now you've got all these different looks and you've got all these different vibes. I think as far as getting to them, you got to start, yeah, from your best customers. You'd be really, really surprised. And I'm sure Nick has probably found this uh, kind of where they're at, where it's like clients and, and, and addresses and, and names in there that you're like, they buy our product. Like that is wild. So I think starting kind of there first, and then also why, why do they want to be an ambassador? So, you know, you got to really get to the core reason of, of what your product exchanges with them and, and how you can really kind of bring value to them. And so, yes, there's ways to go out and incentivize, but I think internally first look at who's customers, who's advocating for your brand, just organically, whether they have 5 million subscribers or, you know, followers or five and start to navigate and incentivize them and just build a relationship with them where they feel like they're, I'm not even giving anything to them for free or some affiliate exchange. I just know the brand and there's something cool about just knowing, you know, and having contact. And it feels like you're getting this exclusive look or it feels like you could make a phone call. I know a guy, you know, I, I, I could get there if I need, there's just something cool about that. I think we all like it. And so 
be accessible to uh, to your customer through email or text or slacks or panels like this where people can just actually ask genuine questions. So yeah, I think I think it's important to keep in mind that broad appeal that there may be brands that you know think, gosh, I gotta have a Kardashian or I gotta have you know they they go straight to the top and and we're like like hey. Back, back up a bit because like Chris said, those micro influencers, they're going to have, they may have a, a shallow appeal, but multiple micro influencers can have a pretty deep pool overall. And, and so I think the, I, I know that Nick, you know, you, you work with huge folks like, like Floyd Mayweather and folks like that who have a very broad appeal and that's, so there's no like one answer to this. And, and that's why it's good to kind of keep an open mind. I had a question come in while you guys were talking. I think this is this is a good one, and I, I'd like to pitch this one to Tara. So, so Sean, you can relax. I'm not going to go through everybody and leave you at the end on this. One. Oh, I, give me the challenge, dude. I like so, it. so you know how how do you? And this is actually a, a question that I had typed as a follow up question, and then it came through in the chat, which is how do you reward, recognize, kind of keep those ambassadors energized. And, and I think this is a good one for you, Tara, because Ezra Firestone, who was on the previous panel, you know, he's, he has a, d- does some things I think similar to, to you two. So I, I'm kind of interested in your take on this. Yeah. So I guess actually kind of going off what Chris said earlier, like, you know, we tried the big influencers, millions of followers, that kind of stuff. And it actually works so much better for us with micro influencers and building that relationship for a long period of time. So how we keep them engaged, we basically have Facebook groups where, you know, we, we send them product. So we basically, if we have six, seven launches, new product launches over a year, what we try and do is send them, send it to them first before we launch it online, everything, get them to start talking about it. And then we launch online. So we try and make them really feel like a part of our community and super special. But we also hold Zoom calls with them um, and kind of give them a little bit of a sneak preview of what's coming, you know, insiders information, that kind of stuff. So we really want them to essentially feel like part of our team, part of our family. So and we do that quite often. Great. So I think, Chris, this might be one, you know, when you do you have a distinction between like those micro influencers and ambassadors or are those this all in one for you? Yeah. So what we've actually just structured within the last six months is we're getting some of the top talent on annual agreements. So those are typically like the volleyball players, anywhere from 10 to maybe 100,000 followers. So they get a monthly paycheck from CrossNet and we look at them like they're on the payroll. But those micro influencers, those are people who are usually just stoked to get a $150 product for free. So we'll ship that out. We'll probably our head of social or interns will have a communication with them for a few months. We'll get a few posts out of them. And then if they kill it and their content's great, sure. They might be receptive to, hey, here's a hundred bucks a month. You want to go out and film CrossNet instead of just not filming it? You're playing it anyway. Like just send us some content. So that's the way we look at it. I could tell you just as a lesson, do not jump out to sign year-long contracts. We've learned the hard way recently is like, there's going to be people you really want to be down with your brand, but stuff changes. So find the ones that you really love. And after building rapport, then extend those long contracts to lock them in. Yeah. And I'm just curious, do you have anything in baked into your contracts? Because, you know, without getting too political here, you know, with council culture and all of that going on, 
are, are there things in your contracts that if if one of your folks on your payroll, uh, not even misrepresenting your brand, but if they're, they say something or post something in their socials, that's going to send your audience over the cliff. How do you manage things like that? Just RP, yeah. protect yourself. That's a good question. Yeah. So we do have an opt out period that we can opt out due to things exactly like that, like defamation of our brand or destroying character and all that good stuff. Thank God it hasn't happened yet and hopefully will not. But they're really at the end of the things, it's not like they're the spokesperson for the brand by any means. They're just required to create content. And I don't even look at it as they're creating money for us, like on their socials. It's more for my paid team to then go leverage on our paid side. So we look at them as content creators, not spokespeople for the brand. Yeah. Uh, it's been a good, good relationship so far. So when we think about things like engagement and any and collaboration with a brand, I think, you know, Sean, for you, I know you work with some of the highest paid influencers that, that, are, that are out there in some cases, yeah. but how, how are you kind of helping your influencers from that collaboration level? Like what, what are your thoughts in yeah. that? Avenue? Yeah. I mean, we're pretty specific at that, you know, once you've committed to a vertical or, or kind of a category you've got to kind of double down and make sure it's the right one. So whether that's, you know, in food and beverage or in athleisure, whatever it might be. So we typically try to find a way and a path to say, here's just the immediate way we can work together. We've got, that's how we make our living as an influencer is that they've got to get paid to post and talk to their audience that they've curated in that community. But man, there's got to be a really sweet spot where we can grow this thing to either be doing that on a monthly basis or doing that together. So we've had success in contracting 12 or 18 months after we've done a couple months of actually making sure we're real partners. And then we've actually probably the, our funnest projects is things like uh, Nomadic. We did a co-branded backpack with Peter McKinnon, a big photographer. He's got 5 million subscribers on YouTube. He you know, really is kind of the voice for photography on YouTube. Nomadic hadn't done photo yet in their lines of backpack. So we took and said, Hey, we should do this camera thing together and do a camera line. Nomadic said, Hey, we want to open this new vertical that we haven't really nurtured from a community standpoint. And when that came together, just this incredible, right return for everyone in that now Pete's fulfilled and that he can have his own backpack. He points to and says, I have my own backpack. Nomadic is fulfilled that they open this new vertical and this incredible community and an audience that they didn't previously have. But that started with, you know, one or two, you know, different engagements at different levels. We did the same with Hot Wheels and Tanner Fox. We probably did five or six kind of paid deals. And then they did a Hot Wheels car. And then we did another Hot Wheels car and then we did a track. So I think it's once you find someone on both sides, the influencer side, but as well as the brand side, you kind of double down and figure out whether that's a co-branded product or a longer engagement or, you know, advisory share, whatever it kind of shakes out to be. That's really the ultimate end goal. Because if you picked them right from the first time, there's enough kind of, you know, value there that you'd want to your brands to be incredibly close together, or you pick the wrong person and you're just trying to drive revenue dollars for your sales team. And you should rethink and relook at your influencer and your ambassador approach. So from the beginning, make sure that you could see working with this person for 12 to two years to co-branded products where it's not just what Chris was saying. They're, you know, representing and doing so. This is a actual spokesman or spokesperson for this brand, you know, have, have that potential, you know, in mind uh, with these people you're working with. And, and I think too, you know, as, as kind of a word of, of encouragement to folks that may be developing brands on this call, or maybe you're thinking, gosh, because I've heard this 
I've reached out to so many influencers and no one's responding back to me and, and things like that. I think one of the things that I find is not, is way underutilized in e-commerce is just reaching out to other brands that have complementary audiences to you that you're not in direct competition with that may have an email list that's three times the size of yours, but they would still love to work with you because you're going to provide them, uh, which is essentially very inexpensive cold audiences that can be introduced and there's uh, so your your talk there on kind of cross promoting it can go also from a brand to brand perspective so right? yeah one yeah. quick case study we just saw that you know supplement companies and gyms had incredible audience they want you to get to a gym to work out supplements co- companies don't really care what gym you go to but they want you to take their supplement that shared audience is incredible because it's non-competitive yet it's very narrowed and that it's the same type of people obviously that goes across a ton of different you know industries and ways but we just that was one very very clear one for us it's like gyms and you know these supplements there's a ton of crossover there. Okay, so I'm going to go rapid fire on this one. Nick, how many influencers and ambassadors are you working with right now? So we separate influencers from ambassadors to your point earlier. Our influencers are those like peak pinnacle, basically our investor group. So it's like 20 or so athletes and creators, but on the more like grassroots or, or kind of day-to-day level with our true ambassador program right now, we've got 130-ish folks in the program. Okay, so there you go. You got 150-ish total. Chris, Mead, how about you? Uh, about 20 paid, I'd say about 40 to 50 unpaid ambassadors. All right, Tara. We have about 25 influencers and then our brand ambassadors program, we have around 60 to 70. All right. And Sean? Uh, from a brand on the gaming side, we've probably got 25 paid and 45, 50 kind of incentivized brand ambassadors. All right. So I don't know if any of you know where I'm heading on this, but how in the heck do you manage this? So is there, is it a platform? Is it a widget? What is it? Let's just kind of start with you, Sean, since you're on my screen. Yeah. Yeah. So we use current technologies to kind of handle a lot of that ambassador exchange from codes and tracking and uh, UTM, all that good stuff. That's the platform we'll use. And then also obviously internally, we'll have spreadsheets that we're kind of following along and and, uh, everybody's got eyeballs. We use HubSpot to kind of keep the tiles moving through pre-approved, approved, you know, Know, they've been sent product, that whole kind of process through the chain. So current for links and kind of the community side, obviously just internal slacks and communications spreadsheets. And then HubSpot is kind of where we watch them through uh, that campaign period or kind of where they're sitting in our process. Fantastic. Tara, how about you? Yeah, so I was going to say lots of spreadsheets as well. Uh, Clavio, so that's how we communicate with them most. And then as well as the Facebook groups, so private groups for them. Again, insider information, that kind of stuff. Any questions or any suggestions that they have for us to improve, that's kind of where that exchange happens. And it's one, it's our social media girl who manages all that. All right, uh, Nick. Yeah, we use a tool called Grin, G-R-I-N, and that helps us with recruiting, content management, creates affiliate links, kind of does like the bulk of the day-to-day operations. And then from a communication standpoint, our first outreach is usually with a direct message on whatever platform you know, we kind of prioritize Instagram. And then we actually use the SMS tool called Community as another way for us to communicate with the, our ambassadors ongoing because it gets really cumbersome to every time you want to send a, a message to all hundred plus of these people that send a hundred DMs. So instead they've all signed up for community and we can just do a one-to-many text and then they can reply and we can go one-to-one. I love that. Chris, how about you? 
less sexy than that. A lot of spreadsheets, uh, a lot of text messaging. Uh, most of our ambassadors and influencers are not the most high-profile people, so they're very receptive to group text and all that. So that's kind of how we wrangle the folks. And yeah, social media girl handles it all, thank thankfully. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs that that social media person who's going to kind of pick up those those things that us as usually high-level entrepreneurs don't don't do so well on the detail of getting admired in the details. So here's here's something I'm curious about. How about like KPIs? So maybe KPIs for influencers versus ambassadors. So what are the things that like setting expectations, whether they know about it or not, you know, I think influencers will probably know those KPIs or probably should. Whereas an ambassador, like Sean said, they're just shocked you reached out because they listed, they had this cool video that featured your product. So thoughts on that? Who wants to go first on that one? I can take that right now. Uh, we, we have an event this Saturday on ESPN, actually. So one of the big things for our ambassadors was it was our first event ever. We had went through so much stuff just learning, but it was who could get the most signups for the event. So we were motivating people, whether it was with like cash or just like we have a lot of connections to other brands. So uh, it was just really trying to motivate all of our ambassadors, all of our influencers to get signups. Thankfully, we have a ton of teams signed up, which is going to be great. And then more on the, the metric side, one of the requirements are paid influencers. They have to send at least five pieces of content every month, five video assets that our paid team could then go run. And then on a monthly basis, we'll sit down as a marketing team and say, hey, who's the top performing content person that month? And then, hey, maybe here's an extra couple hundred bucks. Can you go shoot in another location because you crushed it last month? So that's what we're looking for on a monthly basis. That's awesome. Anybody else with thoughts on that? Yeah, I can. We vet everyone as a part of our recruiting process. We look at obviously their audience size and engagement. Our tool Grin does a good job of giving us like a scorecard on each person. So we kind of know going in what to expect from an engagement standpoint on those KPIs. We have a very low barrier to entry with our ambassador program, meaning they only have to post twice to their feed and once to their, or sorry, twice to their stories and once to their feed in a given month. We also don't pay our ambassadors. It's a product trade. So we keep the barrier to entry really low. And then, so in terms of like deliverables, it's, it's easy. And then we just monitor over time and make sure people are doing the things they're supposed to do in terms of posting. And again, we know what to expect from an engagement standpoint. So that part's pretty easy. We don't put revenue metrics against an individual, except we watch it, but we don't say you have to be selling at least X dollars of product a month. It's about creating a brand in the community. And we believe that it's going to pay off long-term if we build the community the right way. I had a question come in for, for all the panelists. Does anyone use Wooly? W-O-O-L-Y? You guys familiar with that? Anybody? Or had experience with that? I know the founder, Scott Paul, really well. It's actually a Utah-based company just up the road from us. But yeah, it's essentially kind of going into your database and trying to focus on and find the internal customers uh, or advocates that have some level of influence that you kind of want to target down so that when they, you know, you, you ship their product, you add a pair of socks or you add a, you know, extra experience or you write a handwritten note knowing that they've got, you know, influence in some way. That doesn't mean they could be a business owner that you want to get more access to. They could be an influencer or you've seen them purchase, you know, every single item you've ever dropped and you just want to make sure that they know you're seeing that. So Willie does a good job of trying to find and make you realize the people you have internally, you know, that are customers or following your Instagram are, uh, you know, have some good say, so. Cool. And then I think as we're as we're getting close to, to wrapping up, one of the things that I've been asked on calls with folks talking to us is 
how do I find them? Do you have a tool? Do you have, are you paying a freelancer, you know, somewhere over there to go through Instagram and look at profiles, go to YouTube, you know, what is it not to, what's the company that YouTube bought where you can find folks to do fame bit. Uh, Fame bit. That's what I was trying. I was hoping someone would save me there. Thank you, Sean. So what kind of, anybody know any tools? I I know a buddy of mine is actually building a SaaS right now that crawls Instagram, which is kind of cool. And so what what do you guys use? Any any tools or just basically finding folks who are already kind of engaged with the brand or have posted something? Well, I can jump in here. So basically we just kind of developed a little bit of a funnel. So like what our program is, click the link, that kind of stuff, like learn about it. And we kind of try and drive traffic there. So we've basically done it through our own like social media, Facebook, just organic posts, that kind of stuff. We also have our brand ambassadors talking about it, our micro influencers talking about it as well. And then essentially we have run like you know five dollar ad here just again driving traffic to that funnel and just kind of seeing we've done organic outreach i don't feel like we've had as much results from that to be honest so yeah even five dollars a day an ad just driving traffic to that funnel to become a brand blaster and that's where they use type form and they apply to it and we kind of go through their profiles see what they're about um, and if they're a fit for the brand no, I think that's awesome. I think, you know, using, you know, your sometimes uh, probably there's gold in those Facebook audiences that may not be performing so great on ads, but you might be able to target them with a specific message to find some of those kinds of folks too. That could be interesting. And I, and I know this has been asked a couple of times. So I know, Nick, you want to take this because I know you posted this in the, in the chat to the panelists, but, you know, someone had said, how do you define or what's the distinction between an influencer and an ambassador? Yeah, I mean, it's probably everybody on this panel probably has a different response. But for me, I would think of an influencer as somebody that we're working with as like a in a finite campaign. So we we're working with them on a, a short term where they asked us, they reached out and asked us for product and they're influential, they have an audience, but we're not necessarily building a long-term relationship with them. It's there was some benefit to them and to us, and we did a one-time sort of one-off thing with them. They came to an event and we highlighted them or they asked us for product and we said, we'll give it to them in exchange for a post, kind of just tapping into their network as a, as a one-off or, or a shorter term thing. For us, an ambassador is someone we're building a longer term relationship with. You know, We're going to keep them onto a, a contract for six months, 12 months, whatever that might be, and really like bring them into the family and find ways to activate them, have them run events for us and kind of think of them as more of an extension of our team to the point that Chris made earlier of like, they're on the payroll, so to speak. Great. So any final thoughts before we kick it back over to Jordan? This has been phenomenal. You guys have absolutely killed it, brought the goods today, laid them down. And uh, it's been great. I always, whenever I I see Ezra, like he was previously, Ezra is so good with coming up with the little isms to say about things. And uh, so I'm just going to say laying down the goods and we'll just, we'll leave it there. So any final thoughts? from anybody on this topic before we turn it over. Yeah, I would say like the, for me, it's, it's uh, really focus on making sure that you're anyone you're partnering with as an ambassador really aligns with your brand values and it's a genuine relationship. We make sure that anyone we reach out to, the first thing we do before we bring them on as a, an ambassador is we send them free product and hop on a Zoom call and get feedback from them and start to understand, do they really love the product? Do they really believe in our core values? Do they truly align with who we are? Because folks are just given how like inundated everyone is with influencer content in their feeds, they can really sniff out disingenuous relationships. And so I think authenticity is, is thing number one, like 
even before you worry about what's the tool, how much do I pay? Like it's gotta be an authentic relationship. Yeah. I'd, I'd echo that and just take care of people, you know, you just as much as you take care of your internal team and staff and, you know, the, the culture take care of, of those that are out talking about and repping your brand. So get them the latest stuff, make sure that they have, you know, the product before it's out on shelves and in the market. So they have that exclusive feeling and kind of first, you know, movers and that's, goes a lot further than you think even more than money is having this feeling of exclusivity when they're fighting constantly for attention and to stay in front of people. So take care of, and and don't get chintzy on uh, sending product and sending uh, goods to them. I like that chintzy. Haven't heard that one in a while. That's, that's a good one. And this is incredible. You know, I know that, and we're seeing it in the, in the comments, you know, you guys really laid a solid roadmap today for building a solid influencer and ambassador program. And so encourage anyone on the, on the, the event today that hasn't kicked this off, apply these principles and kind of virtual checklist, if you will. And I know you guys will all have phenomenal success with what you're doing here. So I think we'll wrap it up here and I'll turn it back over to you, Jordan, to close us out today. Awesome. Yeah. I just wanted to say thanks guys so much. Uh, that was really helpful. We've actually been using a, a program that uh, Nick uh, Lamoth put together <laughs> and presented at our mastermind, uh, the e-commerce executives mastermind. And it's phenomenal how well it's worked and how he laid that program out. But I, I think that the the big thing with all of this is like, you know, you come and listen to, you know, people who have been super successful and who have done it. And if you don't execute, right? That's, that's really where it comes down to, right? It like, all, there's all these incredible ideas on subscriptions and on ambassadors. Without execution, it doesn't actually matter. So that's sort of my closing words for you guys is uh, either uh, go out and execute yourself with your team or find people who can help you execute because these are going to be the things that are going to combat all the issues that are going to come up. iOS 14.5 is not the last thing that's going to happen in the ad world. <laughs> uh, this is just the beginning of privacy and clamping down on that. And so the more ways that we can diversify traffic, the better. So I just want to say thanks everybody for coming and spending your time here. Uh, all of your time, I know, uh, including uh, attendees is so valuable. Um, so the fact that you guys showed up was amazing. Chris, thank you so much um, for hosting the second panel. Really appreciated it. And I hope that there's more uh, to come in the future. So uh, there will be a replay um, that we'll be sending out um, to everybody. And uh, yeah, just want to say thanks so much, everyone. Yeah, I just can't say uh, how much I appreciate you guys. Bye, everyone. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.